Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 427. In today's podcast interview, my guest and I are discussing the power of shifting your mindset from a negative one to a positive one. This is a question I get asked most frequently in DMs and coaching calls, etc. is, Heather, how do you keep a positive mindset? And what I want you to remember is that thoughts become things. So today's episode is extremely powerful. You'll learn how to shift your mindset and get into more abundance. Welcome to today's podcast. I brought on Casey Edward. Casey, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm stoked to have a fellow podcaster on, but I'd love for you to give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I live in Denver, Colorado, not too far from you. We just realized, which is pretty cool. And I am a fellow podcast host. Like you said, it's called, I can't wait to tell you that is my main passion. And then I also do corporate wellness coaching. So I've been a life coach for four and a half years now, and I just brought mindfulness into the corporate space. Well, and I think that's so powerful because I definitely wish we had that back in in my days of corporate, what got you into meditation and mindfulness practices? So in my twenties, so I'm 31 now and in my probably 23, 24, it was after college and everything externally seemingly was in place. I had a good job. I lived with my friends in the city. I had a partner, all of, all of the things. And yet I had crippling, crippling anxiety. You know, I just was always like, do they like me? Am I doing enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I fit enough? And it got to the point where I was like, this can't be, this can't be the norm that I live with. I don't know what's normal, but I remember being like, this is not for me. And when people ask, how, how do I know it's time to make change? The best way to put it is I got sick of my own shit. Like I got sick of, of being like, I'm anxious or I feel bad or whatever. And so I tried the last thing that I ever wanted to do, which was sit in silence with myself (laughs) meditation. And so I had learned about it a little before because I'm kind of one of those people that needs to know why I'm doing something. So I started to read books on it. And I remember I read 10% happier by Dan Harris. And so I started to learn about meditation. And the first time I sat down just for five minutes, I just remember it kind of something inside of me clicking. And at the time I wasn't spiritual or anything, but I was kind of like, huh, that, that feels, that feels good. And so I kept meditating. And then I remember the first time I ever received a download or heard my intuition. And from there, it was just like, okay, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to live with this voice and follow that nudge. And and here we are. <laughs> you know, while you were sharing that, I was thinking back, I don't quite remember when I started meditating. I remember when I first got into yoga, I just moved back to Denver from Kentucky 
So that was in the fall of 07 and my gym, you know, um, group classes and stuff. And I remember the first time I did yoga, I was like, this fucking sucks. I felt like I was hyperventilating, trying to follow the breath and the movement. I thought it was awful. And I still kept trying it again until I did stand up paddleboard yoga. So sup yoga. And for me, that was the peace and the calm and nature and water. And that kind of led me into this stillness and surrender. And I'll be honest, um, meditation, even still to this day, and I've been doing it for years, you know, monkey mind comes in, but those meditations where you just come out of it feeling so at ease and flow takes me back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think too, the, the thing about meditation is that for me, at least is even if I come out of, I mean, I, it's rare that I come out of meditation, not feeling great, but even if I'm having a day where I don't feel great, I know that that's okay. Like I used to freak myself out and be like, why don't I feel good? What's going on? Why am I anxious? Where now meditation has just given me that buffer. Even if I only have a few seconds to self-regulate, I can be like, it's all good. Like that's, that's usually the mind doing that or something like in this present moment. Yeah. It's all good. And it, it's given me the capacity to have that awareness in the day-to-day. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. Again, visit my website, heatherhakes.com. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. You can find this on my website, heatherhakes.com forward slash course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free discovery call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. You know, it just came to mind. I think a lot of people think meditation, you have to sit in this awkward position for like an hour. And I do believe, I mean, you can stop and pause Mm -hmm. for 60 seconds and do breath work, inhale and exhale to center yourself. And I think I'll ask you, but we're both runners. Mm. running for me is a moving meditation. I get in flow and I'm, I'm so present. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious, what advice or tips and tricks would you give to somebody new to meditation or wanting to get into meditation? I would say that I'm glad that you said moving meditation, because I personally think that moving meditation, something where you're doing that is a movement meditation where meditation is, you know, you can be sitting or laying down as long as the spine is straight, uh, from what I've learned, at least in yoga teacher training. But so I would say it's funny because I thought that when I started meditating, I'd sit down, it would be quiet. And then I'd come out of it. You know, I'd channel a book, everything would work out. I would say, know that you're not going to want to do it. Like just to be real with people listening, like, you're not going to be like, I can't wait to sit in silence with my thoughts. Like, that's the last thing you're probably going to want to (laughs) do. Expect that. And it's kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll come back to running. I love running, but I don't always want to do it. There are days where it's like, eh, it's raining or it's this or it's that, but it's getting to the place where you witness that. And ultimately that's the, the goal is to become the witness of what's going on in the ego or the mind. You witness the part of you that's like, I don't want to do it. And then you feel the deeper part of you say, sit your ass down. <laughs> right? So yeah, 
hundred percent. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I asked you before we started, you know, who, who are your mentors? Who do you study? And your main one, it sounds like is Eckhart Tolle. And he's all about the power of the now, the present moment. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned is when you're feeling depressed, it's because you're thinking about the past. When you're anxious, you're thinking about the future. But if you're present, none of that is around. Yeah. So I'd love for you to talk about this mindfulness and presence and let's talk about our thoughts because I remember, especially in my twenties, I was afraid to be alone. So Mm -hmm. my social calendar was booked seven days a week. I was busy. And I think we're very good about being busy because I didn't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the total opposite. I love and crave quiet and alone time. And even I've kind of gotten to the point, I almost feel like, um, more of an introvert that going out and being social is draining and I almost dread it, which is wild from who I used to be. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that power of presence and now and mm-hmm. how we are not our thoughts. Yeah. So I think that the first place I would start with all of that, if I were to divide this into, I would divide it into two parts. I would divide it into healing and the body and trauma and then be not being our thoughts. So what I started to realize as I meditated was yes, I was believing every thought that was going through my mind, which we we can't do and I'll get to that. But what uh meditation really helped me do was because I was the same. I was busying myself over not wanting to sit with what was trying to come up. We fight the emotions, we fight the feelings especially if they're quote unquote bad. And so I was doing everything in my power to not face them. And so meditation gave me the ability to sit and sure enough, so much, so much came up, so much came up for me and it was family stuff. And, you know, if you believe in past life stuff for me, it was past life stuff. There was all of this trauma. And so for a few years, I healed that. And I really do think that it's worth saying that because I don't want to give the illusion that you sit down, you meditate a few times, you stop believing what your mind is saying and bam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's a journey. But so as time went on, the less trauma my body was holding on to, the more I practiced being the awareness, the easier it was for me to be the witness to my thoughts. So what I mean by you are not your thoughts is I'll, I'll speak from my experience. I would sit down in meditation and I would get calm. I'd let the thoughts pass. I'd, I'd be in the flow. I'd be in the quantum and I'd come out and then I'd go for a walk or something. And a thought would come in and be like, for me, it was a lot of body image, but it would be like, you look fat. And I believe it. I believe it. And then down the rabbit hole, I go for the rest of the day. And so you are not, your thoughts is important because sure we sit and meditate. Sure. We sit and do healing, but 95% of our waking day is us being out in the world. So if we can have the awareness to be sitting at our desk and have a thought come in of you are not enough. He's not texting you back because you're not pretty enough. You'll never make the money you want to make. Who are you to show up like this? And you can just look at that thought and say, not true. And when you start to question your whole mind, your mind, your ego starts to be like, wait, what, what do you mean? Is that, uh, yeah, it's true. And you're like, are you sure? And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) It starts to dissolve the conditioning. So just bearing witness to the fact that you're not your thoughts and you get to decide what's true. And at the end of the day, if you're thinking better, we all know that a thought of I'm beautiful and I'm enough is going to cause a better energetic emotion than 
I'm not worthy and no one loves me. Like they're just even saying it, you can feel it in your body. So that's a, that's a short-winded way of, of explaining. (laughs) Do you follow Byron Katie at all? I used to. Yeah. I love her story. So I don't know a ton about her a little bit, but I think, isn't she the one that she has like a four-step process to, um, ask these kind of questions. Cause I've done this. I remember, and it was, it, it was fairly recent last couple of months, but I went deep down the rabbit hole of self-doubt, imposter syndrome. Who am I to do this? All this BS bullshit yep. belief systems. Yep. And I did, I, I am aware enough. I sat down, I did a journaling exercise. Here's what I did. I wrote my thoughts out yep. and then I looked at them and I did, I asked that, is that true? As an example, I can't make money doing this. Yeah. Have I made money doing this? I have. Mm. And so anyway, it was just, I think for me, because you're right, whatever you resist persists. And the, we keep running away from, but it's wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. So how do you kind of self-soothe and walk yourself through? Well, as you know, you shared with that, the body image stuff, but when these negative self-talk come in that want to take you over, how do you dissolve? How do you know? Oh, a mantra I use is nope, not today. <laughs> what do you do? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I break this. There are two things that I do. So I'll speak to the one that you just said, like the nope, not today. If I can tell that it's just my ego being the ego, I out loud will be like, absolutely not <laughs> out loud. Like, I'm like, we're going to shut that down right here, right now. No. But if it's something that I can feel is in my body, if it's a belief, if it's a trauma, if there's more to it than just the thought, then either in that moment, I'll sit and process it or deal with it. Or, you know, if I'm out in public, I can't do it, then I'll come back to it. So it's, it's, as you start to practice recognizing the thought, you can tell if it's just in your head, or you can tell if you have an immediate visceral reaction. And so I'd say there's, if there's that reaction in the body, then there's trauma to be dealt with. If it's just the mind nagging, then that's the time to be like, no, no. (laughs) no no (laughs) yeah if somebody is new to the ego Mm. can you explain what what is the ego okay so I'm going to explain what it is to me so and and from from what I've learned over the years but again I'll speak for myself so if if we were to think of the ego as the voice to the fear that the brain has so as humans we have a fear response because once upon a time we were having to run from tigers and protect ourselves on a daily basis. That's why we have fight or flight. But now that that's not the case, it's funny over time, the ego, this fear has gotten a voice that we all have. And so, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to know who we are. Like if someone calls your name, you have to be able to be like, Oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) Hi. But Ultimately, the thoughts that are going through our heads of, do they like me? Was that okay to say? Should I have said that? All of these things, that incessant chatter is unnecessary. And so to me, the ego is, <laughs> is the fear-based mind. And instead of, I used to be like, F the ego, but now I'm like, okay, if my ego's saying, <laughs> saying, I'm not enough, or this isn't enough, I'm like, why do we feel that way? Like, I talk to it kind of like a child now. Yep. So it's just this little fearful voice that has evolved with humanity over time that so many of us, me, including myself for so long are just trusting. We're just taking that to be the truth. You know, it says we can't do that. We have to stay in this job. Who am I to leave the job and start a business? And we're like, you're right. 
like to this voice, <laughs> you're right. And so you, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you can use your mind rather than be used by it, rather than being used by that voice that's going on in our heads. Okay. So what I wrote down that I, I love you said is the incessant chatter, because mm-hmm. I think we can all relate to that. Mm-hmm. And even for me, it's that, that little nagging voice, but ultimately it's in my perception is it's everything keeping us playing small, mm-hmm. the limiting beliefs. I'm not enough. I'm not capable. The need to be self-critical, Somebody who is loving and self-compassionate and has self-love is not arrogant. Mm -hmm. That is coming from a completely different, even energetic field, if you want to go there, Mm -hmm. versus somebody who's loving and coming from that high vibe frequency is not beating themselves up. So when you find yourself in that, I call it the monkey mind, the negative feedback loop, this ego, the incessant chatter, not enough beating yourself up. How do we flip the script? Because it is kind of almost like split personalities, who we truly are and who we've been showing up as. Something that I realized very quickly was, and let's use, let's use money as an example. I'm broke. I'm never going to have enough money. I've always been poor. I'm always going to be poor. Let's use a narrative around that. What I was trying to do was going from that narrative to I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be wealthy. The moment you try to, to quantum leap in the mind, the brain's like error, error. Not true. My best piece of advice is when you're, when you're in that, in that monkey mind, think something just a little bit better. That's tangibly believable. So if you're, I'm pro I'm poor, I'm going to be broke, all of this stuff. I have money in my bank account right now. Something as easy as I have money, in my, I have some quarters in my wallet. Like if someone's like, I don't even have money, but there's a penny on the ground in front of me. Like any small thing that can, it's just getting that hope, getting that, that like, if you were to think of, you know, you might've seen, people might've seen the scale of emotions, but you know, if you're at depression, that's, that's pretty low. That's about as low as you can go. But as if you can even just start to get up the ladder a little bit, get that hope, get yourself going up the ladder. So I'd start with just doing anything, feeling anything that will feel feel better. And to be honest, if you can't think yourself there because you're too deep in it, take a break, watch a show, read a book. I feel like that's so counterintuitive to our productive hustle culture to watch a show. Like I should be working more how you feel matters. So if you need to take your mindset off of whatever is going on, do that. Make yourself feel a little bit better. Or even what Abraham Hicks says, uh, take a nap. Take it off. I took naps for so up until recently. That was my, yeah, totally. I'm kind of, I kind of hit this lull around 2 PM and I I'm a 20 minute napper, but if I could lay down and get 20 minutes, I wake up, uh, just feeling good. But even, you know, some days if you wake up and you start the day off and you're just getting this momentum of just a shitty day, stop, pause. Yep. Take a nap if you can, wow. or th- things that I like to do. Tony Robbins teaches this, right? If you change your state story, then strategy, but it's about physiology. So for us, you know, like go for a run, turn on music, dance, like get your body moving because mm. those low vibe emotions, their energy in motion, get them out. Yeah. yeah. Dancing for me has been, has been a big one because again, like if I, I don't get like this 
anymore really, but I used to get to the point where like, I have always loved running, but sometimes I was too anxious. Like the mind, I didn't want to be with mine. So I didn't want to go for a run. And so, yeah, putting on music, like that will immediately give you that full body feeling. Cause sometimes if you can't think your way out of it, do something that will help you feel your way out of it. Yeah. So dancing, music, anything like that. Okay. So something you've touched on that I really want to deep dive Mm. is this whole use your mind rather than be used by it because, Mm -hmm. okay, no, you just go, you take it. (laughs) Okay. So this is the best way that I can describe this is we think on average 70,000 thoughts a day ish. It differs by gender and everything, but 70,000 thoughts a day. It said that 95% of our thoughts are going to be the same today as they were yesterday. So what that means to me is if I'm going to change, I've got to change my thoughts. That means I have to consciously think differently. I can't be thinking the same 95% that I was thinking yesterday, or I'm going to get the same results over and over. So just as easily as we can use the mind to worry and think of worst case scenario. And that, that would be essentially being used by the mind, the mind saying, well, what if this happens? What if you get up on stage and everyone hates you? What if, what if, what if? And it takes practice. So again, I don't want to make it seem like it's just this easy overnight thing, but we can use the mind to imagine best case scenario. And now we're getting into manifestation to imagine best case scenario, to imagine it working out, to imagine ourselves up there and getting a standing applause, to imagine that $5,000 client coming in. We can use the mind. It's a tool if we let it be. And for a really long time, I wasn't letting it be. I was, I was letting it be the fear, the fear-based part. And that's all that it was, but we can use it. We can, we're creators. That's, we have this tool. And so, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that because I just love this from a new perspective. This is what I, I talk about a lot. So what I wrote down is to consciously think different. Something that, you know, I take clients through as an example is number one, kind of like a thought inventory. Mm-hmm. To just start being curious, number one, and observing, number two. This is no judgment. Just become observant so you can pay attention to, oh my gosh, I do think that a lot. I do say that a lot. And then from there, for me, it's about, you know, after taking the inventory, then it's kind of getting clarity and mapping out, okay, well, here's where I'm at. Here's where I am. Yep. But what do I want? And I truly 100% agree with you that we are creators. And are you familiar with Neville Goddard? No. Okay, girl, write that down. Um, (laughs) Heard of his name, but not familiar with. (laughs) Neville Goddard, um, I've only come across him in less than this past year. But what I love about Neville is that he teaches the I am consciousness. That we, and I don't think we understand this, right? Because we are taught, I'm not religious. I really don't have a religious background, but we are taught that God is in the sky. So people are always looking up and it's like, stop looking up, look in, Mm. you know, the kingdom of heaven is within. And so Neville teaches this, I am consciousness. I am God in this human body. And if we understood our power, but the second step of that, this whole created thing, he teaches to, um, live from the end rather than thinking of your desire live from it so in other words embody it become it now and then okay so I I could go down my own rabbit hole on that but I would love to hear your perspective how you've experienced manifesting because you know I think that word can be taken as woo woo 
But literally, I looked it up this morning because I was having a conversation with somebody else about manifesting. Manifesting literally means to demonstrate, to make appear. And we are manifesting every single day, whether or not we're aware. Mm-hmm. And what I am preaching and teaching is to become a conscious creator, to live your life by design rather than by default. So in this scenario, when you're talking about how we can use our mind as a tool because we are creators, can you walk us through maybe, you know, how you manifest, or I'm sure you have goals and wishes and desires and how are you teaching and doing that? Hmm, That's, oh, this is, I love that question. Okay. So how, okay, now I want to preface this. I am not a quantum physicist, but when I started to learn about manifestation, again, I needed to know what was going on because I felt the same way. Manifestations, woo woo, whatever. So I started to look on YouTube and I started to take out books and I started to get into it. Essentially manifestation is you going into the quantum realm. So say that you are like, let's keep this simple. The moment that you think of something you desire, you have it's called collapsing the wave function. You've collapsed a wave of potential into a particle in our real world as we know it, our 3D real world as we know it. So I think of manifestation as half creation, half matching. So say all of the things that we desired are in our world. How do you then manifest them? Because they're in our world already. They're in our, they're in our world. Everyone, people have the things we want. How do we do that? Well, we match them. So what I started to realize very quickly was if I was coming from a place of, I need it, I don't have it. How am I going to make it happen? That's a very different vibration than the me who has it. The me who has it says, I have everything I need. I am so grateful. This moment is enough. It's coming back to that presence. So it's full circle, but I was living from lack, but thinking that because I had thought about what I wanted, that was enough. But really what it comes down to is how, what, what we're wanting ultimately what we're seeking is the feeling Mm -hmm. is the feeling of freedom is the financial, the financial freedom, time freedom is the love we have with the partner. It's the feeling and you can practice that feeling now. So I started to be like, I have enough. I'm grateful for this. This glass of water is, you know, it sounds, it sounds so funny, but, and that ultimately starts to rewire your brain. And then you do start thinking differently. And it's this full circle full circle experience where you do become the person like my boyfriend's like, you're always happy. And I'm like, I'm not always happy, but I really, it takes a lot for me to become unconscious and think things that it it takes a lot for me to let things slip by my consciousness because I've done the work to where I know what's going to get me the things I desire, but, oh, and this is the beauty of it. You get to a place where you're no longer desiring and funny enough, And it comes and you're like, cool. It's not like, it has to come. It has to come for me to be happy. It's like, I'm happy. Oh, and there it is. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. There's so much there. And what I love that you said is it takes a lot for you to become unconscious, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important to emphasize this has been training for you. You are very mindful, very intentional. And that is something that I practice and preach. And I think, you know, we both study and follow Dr. Joe Dispenza and that's what Dispenza talks about. And I love this. So what you just said was when you, ultimately what I understand quantum to be is that we are living in an energetic universe. Mm -hmm. Everything is energy. Mm -hmm. 
Our thoughts and feelings are energy. Everything is energy. And Bob Proctor always used to say this. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. <laughs> it's li- So if, if everybody truly understands that anything you can imagine means it's already a possibility in the quote quantum field, because I'm visual, I like to think of it as literally it's a big Excel spreadsheet. And if everything is already on this big Excel spreadsheet in the quantum field, and we are here on this 3D plane to connect with that, to match the energy, I believe that life is a boomerang, what you put out, you get back. So if your desire of a relationship, money, business, whatever it is, is on cell C7, Mm. because we get so wrapped up in how trying to make it happen. No, no, no. Your job is to match the frequency of C7 and you literally draw the experience to you, just like you said. And I think what's important to note there is when you no longer felt lack and needing, because that's a very low vibe frequency, when you already felt whole and complete because we already are, then of course you're at this new vibe and frequency going to draw whatever you desire. Mm. Okay, can we, let's give a real world example. Can (laughs) you give an example of something that you desired or wanted to experience and how you were able to let go of the lack and the low vibe to match it, to experience it? Yeah, let's think of, let me think of, okay. So I'm going to use my partner, my my boyfriend now as one. Um, So, and I do, I do want to say too that uh, you'll find it, it. So what, what comes into your reality, how quickly you can manifest something is how much work you have to do around that something. So for me, money was something to work on for a very long time where I felt very worthy in the, the love department. So, uh, I do want to put that out there, but so I had broken up with, I was, I was dating a girl for a long time and we were together for a while. And in the end, it just wasn't working. I felt, you know, long story, but so we break up and then I, was like, I want to intentionally call in the next person that I'm going to be with. I don't want to just, you know, date whoever. And so I will never forget. I wrote down three qualifications and this isn't to say that I was like super stuck on them, but there were things that I, as the creator of my reality need from, from this partner of mine. And so I write them down and, <laughs> and now I'm, I'm dating this man who the three qualities, bing, bang, boom, that I, that I wanted are a direct match. And it's funny because, um, I told him this story recently and he was like, you didn't manifest me. And and I was like, I didn't manifest you as in like, you know, I created, created you or anything, but I matched you. I wrote down that I wanted good sex. I wrote down that I wanted someone who was handsome. I wrote down that I wanted someone financially stable and in you came. And so in that way I did manifest you, you know? And so I think that that's a good example. And I think that's something that has to be said is, and again, it comes back to lack, but I wrote those things down on a piece of paper and then I went about my life. I went about my life as Casey, being enough as me. And I'm not saying that, again, there were other parts of my life that I was working on or struggling in or had trauma in, but when you can release the attachment, then I I had no attachment. I was like, I'm cool being me. But once I do call this guy in, this is what he's going to be. And so he's my best manifestation yet. (laughs) How did you meet him? Hinge. You did. Okay. Mm -hmm. But 
And I used to like Hinge too. I would agree. So let me ask you that because as an example, Dispenses says, you know, why are you on an app scrolling, looking at body parts? But I think there's a difference when you are in a mindset of trying to go on a date versus if you felt inspired action to create an account and then you quote, happen to swipe across him are totally different vibrations. Yeah. Yep. I, something I would be like remiss to mention if I didn't. So I speak with my intuition as though I'm speaking to a person. I can just, I have been practicing this long enough where I can ask a question and immediately get a succinct yes or no, but also I can follow the flow. I can follow the inspired action. And yeah, for me, there's not really a story around it. Like it wasn't like, oh, should I be on a dating app or shouldn't I? It was like a dating app would be cool. And so I get on it and then I'm scrolling through and we make conversation and it feels right. It's, it's like you said, just following that inspired action. And again, it's not being in my mind about it. It wasn't like, like, sure. I was like, yeah, he's good looking. He's tall. Like he seems cool. That's normal. That's human. Like to say, we're not going to think those things is silly. And so then, but that's, I followed the flow. I followed my intuition. And it's funny because in the beginning of us dating, there were things where my mind was like, this is not working out. Or what if this, or all this fear, but ultimately my intuition was like, please stay. (laughs) And I'm sure he had the same thing. We're like instinctively, you know, but we're, you know, if you're right, if you're in that like dating comparison trap, sure. But if you can just silence the mind, follow the intuitive hits. And again, I know, I know I'm making it sound like this easy thing, but it does get easier. It does get to the point where you can just follow it. And and there it is. It's literally, I call it building the mindset muscle. So Mm -hmm. just like going to the gym, you don't go and do bicep curls once and you're set for life. This is a lifestyle and we are mindful and we are intentionally creating, showing up, doing the work, doing the reps and ultimately creating that. So I would love to touch on if we could real quick, um, because I think this is a big one. It's definitely one I've experienced. A lot of people are hung up in a lack and scarcity mindset around money and want more of it. Mm-hmm. The money's already there. It's already available. We're keeping it back. So what are some processes or tips you would offer for somebody to, it really is reprogramming those beliefs, right? Our subconscious beliefs around money, but to be able to live in this flow and ease in life because it's already available. You know, I, th- I would say that in, at least in my experience, money, money is the most dense in terms of beliefs, because I mean, it's funny. I grew up pretty poor, like very, not, not a normal level of, of, of poor. And it's, I would, I had a friend who grew up extremely rich and yet we found ourselves in the same place with money, not having enough, having credit, like debt collectors call all this stuff. But something I read in You're a Badass at Making Money, Jen Sincero, uh, she was one of the catalysts too, actually, to my journey. But in You Are a Badass at Making Money, she has you write a letter to money. And I will never forget my first letter to money was like, there's never going to be enough of you. You broke up my family. My parents had to work so hard. My dad was sick because of you. And all of a sudden I was like, good God, no wonder I'm not manifesting any of this. Like I'm hating on this neutral resource. And I mean, it's taken me years to finally get to the point where I realized, you know, there was self-sabotage. I didn't want money because every time I made money in my childhood, it was taken away or, 
I didn't want money because I was scared of this or whatever. And I got, I've, I've looked at all of that and this is going to be crazy to say, but I realized that I was working jobs after job after job and not changing my money mindset. And I recently left, I now run my business full-time because I realized I could work 80 jobs and hundreds of hours a week. But if I have not changed my fundamental beliefs around money, nothing is going to change. I'm going to make the money and I'm going to blow it. I really was. I was making, I finally got the uh, beliefs around making money gone. So I was making big money and then it was gone. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have a little more work to do. But I would say there is nothing more important and find your person. There are money people out there. Like I like Amanda Francis, but there are lots of people out there who talk about money, Jensen Chair, whoever it may be. Get to know your money story. Yes. Period. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and, and so we've touched on this before, right? Earlier in the conversation, the point is you have to become aware of those stories, your beliefs, your thoughts around it, write them down so that you can be like, oh. And then I think it is kind of, for me, it's been that self-love, self-compassion of, oh, oh, girl. And what I say is pull the weeds, plant new seeds. Yeah. This is supposed to be a fun experience. We're supposed yes. to be in joy. Yes. And it's funny because there are practical things I do too. So the most recent, uh, the biggest corporate uh, payment I got on PayPal, I actually made it into a phone background. So now when I look at my phone on the inside or the outside, it says you have an invoice and, and the dollar amount. So my brain every oh. day sees that PayPal invoice and that's fun. So there is like, it's the work. And it's like, every time I look at my phone, I'm like, damn right. I have a PayPal invoice for that much. <laughs> I love that. Cause you're, yeah. I, I mean, last I heard, I think we look at our phone, wasn't it like 50 or 70 or some absurd amount of times a day. Oh yeah. And look, every time, woo, woo, woo. You're like, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I might try that. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun because then that's just in your mind that the mirror neurons are seeing them and it's just yep. getting that story going into the subconscious. Yeah. I love that. Honestly, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but <laughs> for time's sake, I would like to ask, what do you believe is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? I want listeners to know that nothing, nothing is impossible. You are the creator of your reality. And there are going to be a lot of people who say, could you do that? I don't know. You should do it this way, but your heart and your intuition know, and whatever that nudge, whatever that intuitive inner knowing is telling you, it can be, and you can do this. You're the creator, not the victim. A hundred. I couldn't agree more. Mm. All right. I'd love to wrap up the interview. So I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Sure. Let's do it. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Hmm. right now I'd say just do it Nike classic and you know what I love about that one is simplicity because yes. I think the our mind wants to complicate because oh that's too easy but you're right three words just do it yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah. yep what is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend a book I'm reading right now is uh, Breaking Dawn in the Twilight series. So I'll give one that I recommend because I'm still like an emo 17 year old at heart. I would say Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza is the most paradigm shifting book I've read at least. Yes. Yeah. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, I would tell her that she is beautiful and worthy and enough just as she is. 
I feel that because I just got chills. But what a great note to end on. Casey, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.